Rob Gronkowski watch begin. Retired tight end didn't rule out returning to the NFL this season. Gronkowski is, quote, pain-free for the first time in more than a decade. Didn't shoot down the potential of a comeback, but he did say he didn't see it happening in the, quote, foreseeable future. Another tight end in the NFL on the mend. Redskins coach Jay Gruden expects Jordan Reed to be ready for the start of the season. He's suffering from a concussion currently. And the Athletics' Jeff Howard Ports Patriots center David Andrews' season is in jeopardy after being hospitalized with blood clots in his lungs. Andrews is expected to already miss, quote, a significant amount of time. And in baseball, x-rays on Mike Moustakis' left hand came back negative. He's still sore and not expected to play in Tuesday's game. And the Atlanta Braves have released first baseman Lucas Duda. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And with that, we welcome you inside Studio 34. This is the BFFs. He is Frank Stanfield. I am Greg Sussman. We're not alone today, Frank. We're not alone. We're not. Well, that's news to me. I know. I get the surprises coming. Joining us today here on the BFFs, it's a fantasy task, Mr. Jim Day. What's up, Jim? Hey guys, how you doing? It's great to be back on the show. Looking forward to talking to you two for an hour. It's great. It's great to have you aboard with us today, Jim. Uh, and I have to ask, how'd you sleep last night? I actually slept very well last night. It was a nice, beautiful breeze coming in the window. It was perfect sleeping weather. Oh, beautiful. He slept. Uh, he slept very well. Frank, how did you sleep last night? I also slept very well. I've been sleeping quite well since I've returned from no jet lag for Poland. You. No, I haven't had any jet lag. I think. You know, the, the time difference kind of threw things off for me. I think, like, the first day I came back, I went to sleep at, like, 9 p.m. Because my body was used to being, like, six hours ahead. And that, just, that's called jet lag. And I've, jet I've been lag. able to yeah, sleep right. perfectly fine, so. That's, that's literally <laughs> called jet lag. But that's, that's fine by me, then. Yes, give me all the jet lag. If it's going to help me sleep, give it all to me. So I was here super early yesterday, and it reminded me of what I used to have to do the show at 6 a.m. And Judy and I tried, like, watching a show at, like, 9.30 last night. I was out. I was like out like a light, like a light, e. and she was, and she was just like, I know the show was boring, but like you, you, you passed that instantly. <laughs> I was tired. I'll tell you. No wrestling last night, Greg. Come on. I, I watched. I I fast forwarded through it after we were done with the boring show. All right. Was it? Uh, was that able to keep you awake? No. No. I immediately went to sleep after that. I would imagine so. Yeah, it was, it was pretty boring. So on today's show, we have talked a lot. Clearly about players to draft, players to avoid, so on and so forth. And we're trying to measure the players. We're trying to measure the coaching staffs, the, the whole deal. But we got to focus on the offensive lines. And you can look many different places. I have, you have, Jim, you have too. 
about offensive lines, but I want to get into the importance of who have the best offensive lines and ultimately how they're... I've got to move this chair during the break. Um, who have the best offensive lines? Who have the worst offensive lines? And how it's going to affect the players? Because we could love a fantasy player for whatever reason. We've talked a lot about David Johnson, for instance. But the Cardinals have a bottom three offensive line in the NFL. People are all over the Arizona Cardinals and how high-tempoed this offense is going to be. Kyler Murray's going to be able to stand up at the end of the day. And I get he's more mobile than some of the other quarterbacks they've had there, Josh Rosen in particular. But if the Arizona Cardinals offensive line is as brutal as we expect it to be, ranked arguably dead last in the NFL with minimal improvements made, are we, should we still be drafting David Johnson at five overall? Frank, I know you have five overall in your home league. You're like, oh, please don't let me deal with the Ezekiel Elliott nonsense. I'd rather have Ezekiel Elliott on the Cowboys' top-rated offensive line in the NFL. Because I think he's going to be there, as you know. Rather than David Johnson, who, again, is playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. I don't know that we've talked enough about that. Well, Greg, I don't know how Ezekiel Elliott's going to help you uh, earn fantasy points when he's in Cabo, Curry. He'll be there. (laughs) But when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals offensive line, uh, for me, volume is king in fantasy. And what I'm looking at with David Johnson is that he is the unquestioned workhorse running back for this respective team. And we've seen the way that he's been used in the preseason so far as well, basically playing all of the first team snaps. I think that Chase Edmonds is a fine, serviceable backup on that team, but volume is king here. Yes, you have concerns about the offensive line, but David Johnson is going to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. They run an air raid offense that includes four wide receivers out on the field and a running back. There might be plays where David Johnson is running as a wide receiver. We've seen him do that, you know, two years ago, two, three years ago when he had that monster breakout fantasy season. And on top of all that, Cliff Kingsbury wants to run a ton of plays this upcoming season for the Arizona Cardinals. So I understand your concerns about offensive lines. And we should look into offensive lines. I'm happy that we're doing this today. But I think at times... The efficiency that you lose when it comes to a bad offensive line, Greg, can be canceled out by the volume that you're getting with a player such as David Johnson, who's going to seemingly get all of the running back work for his respective team, a ton of work in the passing game. He's going to be the one to use on the goal line, and the Cardinals offense is going to run a lot of plays this year. So all of that volume combined should be able to outweigh the lack of efficiency we get from that bad offensive line. Jim, if you were drafting today, would you draft David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott? Right now, I'm going David Johnson only because Zeke's not here. I'm with you. I think he's in by week one. And if he does, Zeke actually goes right back to my number one spot. Um, So I'm with you. If he's there, absolutely. But, you know, he's been known not to make the greatest decisions in the world, and that scares me a little. He could have somebody chirping in his head that, oh, you got to sit out for a while. They'll come back. They'll pay you. And I, that bothers me a little. I, I'll tell you why I'm not worried about David Johnson behind that bad O-line. I get it. They're a bad O-line. The, the issue here is whether or not that O-line is going to be enough to protect Kyler Murray and what he wants to do. You want to know why they will be? Because Kyler Murray is never going to be behind center once the ball is hiked. He is constantly going to be moving. He's never going to be a quarterback that sits in that pocket and waits for the defense to come to me. 
So he's always going to be moving. He throws great on but the it, run. But, but if that's to both the, ways. If, if that's the case, if Kyler Murray is constantly moving and he's never going to be behind the center, and he's always going to be on the run by his own choice. He's in the shock in the whole deal. Doesn't that affect David Johnson's ability to run the football? No, because they're going to run a lot of RPOs. That all the design plays are going to be for Murray. Cliff Kingsbury's never had success with any running back in his entire college coaching career, ever. He's never had a running back like David Johnson. I don't know. We talk about schemes a lot. I like Kyle Shanahan because of the scheme. Cliff Kingsbury's never had a successful running back. Just saying to both of you guys. Well, given his air raid offense, right, like I mentioned with the uh, the, the four wide receiver sets, yep. David Johnson's going to be in position to play wide receiver for this team that at makes times sense. as well. That makes sense. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to continue talking about the best and worst offensive lines here when we return on the BFFs. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Fantasy BFFs here with you. Zumo, Channel 719. Thrilled to have you aboard, Frank. You know, like, the ability to have five and a half million people watching us. Seems unlikely they'll all be watching at the same time. Pretty awesome, man. Zumo, Channel 719. They probably should if they want to win their fantasy leagues. Great. Everyone plays fantasy football. I, uh, so we should assume million, that everybody on Zumo plays fantasy football. Great. And if they want to win, they should be watching Sports Grid Television. I agree. The Sports Grid Television Network right now, of course, available live on Zumo Channel 719. If you're listening on the podcast, you want to watch some videos, it's free. Zumo Channel 719. Absolutely. Yeah, I have the link awesome. up right now on my computer. So much like we've, do we've done yourself? with... Do you see yourself? Much like we've done with YouTube, of course I do. Uh, you can watch it now on, uh, on, your, on your laptop, TV, whatever you want, wherever you want to watch it. Zumo.tv. It's very there easy to find. There you go. All right. So the team that comes into the... Season, as I mentioned before, with the best offensive line is presumed to be the Dallas Cowboys. We get Travis Frederick back, it seems. Zach Martin's going to be healthy, we hope. This Dallas Cowboys offensive line has the ability to be amazing. That's why we love um, Ezekiel Elliott. One of the reasons we love Ezekiel Elliott, as long as he shows up. But I wanted to mention the Dallas Cowboys offensive line just to bring up Michael Gallup. We haven't really talked all that much about Michael Gallup, who was a hype guy last season, didn't really do all that much. Amari Cooper's been battling a foot injury, so he hasn't practiced all that much. And we've seen uh, Dak Prescott develop a connection with Michael Gallup. Jim, he's not costing all that much in drafts right now, but are you high on Michael Gallup? Yeah, I'm actually really starting to buy into it, especially with these injuries going on to uh, Cooper. We have no idea at this point how long that's going to last. Um, you know, those kind of foot in- injuries, if it's plantar fasciitis, could bother him all season, you know, possibly. So, you know, that kind of bothers me. Look, Gallup showed flashes last year what he's capable of, but heck, he was a rookie wide receiver. We know they're going to be all up and down every season. He's in year two now. He's had a good camp. Uh, he's playing well in preseason, and he does seem to be on the same page as Dak. So I'm starting to buy into him. I've been slowly creeping him up my rankings. 
Yeah, I've also been moving him up my rankings. I moved him now inside my top 50 wide receivers this season, Greg. And over the past couple of days, over at the NFFC, his ADP is wide receiver 49. That's exactly where I have him ranked now as well. You know, for the reasons that George, uh, that Jim mentioned, the fact that we don't know what's going on with Amari Cooper, he has plantar fasciitis. I mean, this is something that can legitimately bother him all season long. And we were just talking about volume when it comes to David Johnson. You know, even if Amari Cooper is on the field, if he's not 100%, or if he misses time, they have to throw the ball to somebody. Michael Gallup, if you watched the games last year, there were a lot of times where he was actually open downfield and Dak Prescott would miss him. Well, Dak Prescott wants to get paid. One way to do that is hit your wide receivers when they are completely open. So Gallup had a lot of opportunities last year where he got down the field, he was open. Now it's up to Dak Prescott to hit him on the money for those throws. And so far in the preseason, they've looked the part in the third preseason game. Michael Gallup scored a touchdown as well. So, you know, much like Jim... Michael Gallup is someone that I've been slowly creeping up my rankings, and you know, once you get into those reserve rounds as your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, wide receiver six, I do not have a problem taking a shot on Michael Gallup in that range, Greg. Michael Gallup as a top 50 wide receiver kind of makes sense. Where do I have Michael Gallup here, Frankie? I have Gallup. It's a great question. I love when you ask yourself questions like while you're live on the air, and <laughs> you just decide to start answering your questions, but you're not really answering your questions. You're just I am. Kind of... I'm going to answer my question. I, I'm... All right, so where do you have Michael Gallup ranked? I have him at 56. I'm going to move him up. I'm going to move him up to, uh, let's see here. Cowboys hater. Yeah, we'll move him Giants up. fan, Greg Sussman. He's definitely moving. He, he's now number uh, 51. 51. Who is he just behind? Kiki QT. Oh, yeah. We, just, we spoke about Kiki QT yes, during Fantasy Football Frenzy, Greg. Return to practice, Kiki QT. It's great news. It is great news. Yeah, I uh, officially moved him up. He's right behind Kiki QT. Yeah, that seems to be a range of guys like Kiki QT, Jamison Crowder we yep. spoke about as yep. well, Michael Gallup, who, yep. you know, these guys actually have some upside. Everything that's going on with Robbie Anderson and the Jets right now, they're talking about Jamison Crowder being a favorite of Sam Darnold's in camp, and we've seen uh, the way that Adam Gase has used his receivers in years past. He likes to lean on his slot-wide receivers. That is predominantly where Jamison Crowder is going to play. And, uh, you know, when we spoke about Kiki QT, just you want as much exposure to these explosive off offenses as you could possibly get. The Houston Texans are going to be one of the best this season, Greg. Yeah, the Houston Texans have the ability to be uh, one of the best offenses if everything's moving. The Texans have the ability to be uh, a strong a strong, strong team overall with J.J. Watt healthy with the defense, too. We'll see how they can move up and down the field with Duke Johnson and Kiki QT. Going back to the offensive lines here, gentlemen. The Another top offensive line brings us to the New Orleans Saints. And Frank, I'm not going to go off about Alvin Kamara. I'm not going to go off about Michael Thomas. But I am going to mention your boy Latavius Murray. Oh, exactly. Because throughout draft season, you've been extremely, extremely high on Murray. And I've seen that a lot of the industry is with you. They all seem to like Latavius Murray. This offensive line has the ability to, again, be a top, top option. If that's the case, Latavius Murray is going to get the ball. Maybe not in a Mark Ingram type of role, but he's going to be a a, a fine flex play. Where is Latavius Murray ranked and where should he be going? I have Latavius Murray ranked as my RB27 right now. Inside the top 30. Inside my top 30. And, you know, in that... Late sixth, early seventh round range. I think that's a fine place to, you know, scoop up Latavius Murray. I think he's a good flex running back as your RB3. You know, ideally, I wouldn't want him as my RB2. Maybe if you go zero RB, you start off with a lot of wide receivers and tight ends. You end up with someone like Latavius Murray. But ideally, as your flex, as your RB3, I love it. I mean, look, what the Saints have been able to do the past couple of years, it's been a direct correlation. Drew Brees' pass attempts are going down. The defense has played better. And over the past two seasons, they've led the NFL 
in rushing touchdowns each of the past two years. A lot of that has been due to Alvin Kamara. But let's not forget, I mean, between 2016 and 2017, Mark Ingram was a top 12 running back each of those seasons. Latavius Murray is currently being drafted around RB30, so you're getting him at a discount. I don't know that he's going to be used in the pass game as much as Mark Ingram was. You know, we've seen glimpses throughout preseason so far where they have targeted Latavius Murray out of the backfield as a receiver, but even if he doesn't get Mark Ingram's entire pass-catching role, he's going to score touchdowns on a really good offense that wants to run the football, especially once they get inside the red zone. So I really like getting Latavius Murray as my RB3, as my flex in that late 6th, early 7th round range, Greg. What about you, Jim? Where do you come in when it comes to Latavius Murray? I have him a little further down. I have him at 33. So, I mean, not that far off. We're probably talking, you know, point of game or something different we're looking at here. Look, this he is in a good place. There's no doubt about it. He, I think he's a little better running back than people give him credit for. Did well in Minnesota. But there must be some reason they decided they could allow to let him walk and not try to re-sign him. So, you know, it's a little bit of hesitation on my part. And while he should have plenty of opportunities for touchdowns, let's face facts. I mean, Kamara still gets a chunk of them. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, I'm not quite as high as Frank, but I'm not that far off. Latavius Murray, I'm not going to ask myself the question, Frank. I'm just going to say it out loud. Latavius Murray. Feel free. Ask yourself as many questions as you want. Latavius Murray, I'm the low guy here. He is ranked as my 35th ranked running back. Well, do tell, Greg. Why do you have him so much lower than I do? Because I like the guys ahead of him more. (laughs) All right. Examples, please. Uh, Above him, I have Rashad Penny. I ha- also part of a committee. Correct. Not as good of an offensive line, not as good of an offense. No, but he could be, have a bigger role, potentially. Like, com- uh, you, you sound like... Now, wait, now, wait. You you sound- for- wait, 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 wait. You, you don't want to have this ranked that way. I can tell just the way you're hesitantly responding. You're like, well, uh, you know, he, he could be better. Wait, 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 wait. But, <laughs> you, you know, you guys are taking for granted this, this, this offensive line is going to be so good again this year. But don't forget, I mean, Max Unger retired. Now they've got rookie... Center Eric McCoy right in the middle. Correct. Um, and, and that you know he he needs to step up. You know it's not the easiest yeah, thing in the Jim world said. to become an NFL center. Um, so you know that that's bothered me. And then Andres Pete on at left guard. He's another one who didn't have really high PFF scores last year. Who needs to step up a little bit more. You're absolutely right about those two. And you know I didn't want to overlook the fact that Max Unger retired, one of the best centers in the league. But the the other three, you know, uh, Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchick as well. I mean that. You know, those are anchors of this offensive line. So I don't want to overlook that. You're right about that, Jim. Uh, but I just look at the way that this offense has been trending the past couple of years. They just want to run the football, especially once they get inside that no, red no, zone. Yeah, I'm not arguing closer that to the goal line. Yeah, so I just think, you know, the opportunities are going to be there for Latavius Murray. And if he does get that Mark Ingram pass-catching role, Greg, he's absolutely going to smash his ADP. Three Cohen above him as well. They're talking about using him less now. What are we looking at? 8 to 12 touches a game? And nothing going above him as well. Currently not a football player? Not a football player. <laughs> Should move on from the Saints. This isn't going well for me. <laughs> when we return! Here on the BFFs, Jim Day will stick with us as we talk Steelers, Colts. We'll go to the bottom of the Dolphins. Stick around. 
from the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. If you become the eighth person with a million dollars in the FanDuel or DraftKings tournament, send their lineups using DailyRoto.com and the DFS lineup optimizer. Join the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars playing DFS using DailyRoto.com. If you're playing DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL Annual Pass with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com. Millionaires are made. Frank Stample, Jim Day. I'm Greg Sussman. I'm here live with you uh, on a Tuesday here. Channel 719 on Zumo, rocking and rolling. Another top offensive line. It's Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Things are looking good for the Steelers. Things are looking great for my man, James Conner. Can James Conner, Jim Day, lead the NFL in rushing this season? Absolutely can. If he can get out all 16 games in that offense, We've seen too many of those running backs do it. So, absolutely, I think he could. Frankie, you buying that? Buying or selling? James Conner leading the NFL in rushing. He definitely could. I mean, there's, you know, there's a chance that it can happen. I mean, I would look at him more likely to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns, Greg. I know that that's a prop that you can get over at the FanDuel Sportsbook as well. But you look at what he did last year. He had 13 total touchdowns in only 13 games played. He was third in the NFL with 15 carries inside the five-yard line last year. Again, despite only playing in 13 games. So he's the unquestioned workhorse who's go, uh, running back who's going to be used on the goal line inside the red zone for a really good Pittsburgh Steelers offense, even without Antonio Brown. We saw Juju Smith-Schuster score a touchdown in week three of the preseason as well. Seems like he's already on the same page with Ben Roethlisberger. We're excited about Dante Moncrief. We're excited about James Washington. I don't think that this offense is really going no, to miss not. a beat without... Antonio Brown this upcoming season, and they're going to be they're going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. James Conner is going to finish off a lot of those drives. I think he's more likely to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns, Greg, than to lead the NFL in rushing yards. If that makes sense, of course it, of course it makes sense. Jim, why uh, why are we not excited about the Steelers pass catchers? No, no, we're just not excited about James Washington. I wish people would get over that. Uh, the, the man's a bum. He's not going to do anything. Uh, Dante Moncrief is the number two. Deontay Johnson is going to be the number three. Uh, the only way James Washington gets on the field is if Juju Smith-Schuster gets hurt. I can't tell if you're being serious right now. I'm dead serious. This I don't like serious. the guy. I, I, this team has issues with him. Now, there's no doubt about it. He's been playing well into the second, third quarter, fourth quarter, playing against the threes, with the threes. Um, they, there's something going on that we're not privy to. Because he looks great in preseason, no doubt. Absolutely, I'll give you that. Uh, but he hasn't done anything with Ben. And the fact of the matter is he hasn't gone against the number one defense at all at any point. I'm not buying James Washington for any reason. There's something going on with him and this team that we don't know about. All right, well, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's an interesting theory, but uh, you're right that whenever he has been 
given an opportunity, whether it's playing with the second or the third team, he has performed. So I guess we'll find out what's going on uh, regarding James Washington and the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think he's really talented. I, I, you know, I think he's shown that so far uh, in the preseason. Last year, at times, he flashed. I know he had a little spat with Ben One Roethlisberger. <laughs> but, um, you know, look, they the Steelers have done a really good job of drafting wide receivers the past couple of years. Uh, basically, you know, going back to Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Mike Wallace, all these wide receivers. So, uh, and they used, what, a second-round pick on James Washington? I think the talent is there. I, I guess it's just going to be, uh, we're going to find out whether or not he actually is able to see the field. As of now, all all signs have pointed to Dante Moncrief being the starting wide receiver on the outside. I'm in on Dante Well, this was their one sure. miss. They were due. This was their well, one miss. I'm not sure they, they, they've had. I mean, it's only his second year. We they, can't write him off yet, Jim. Guys, they've had, they, they've had plenty of misses. Like yeah, Sam, I mean, Sammy Coates. Big miss. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I was just making a joke, Greg. You're right. They have had plenty of misses. Martavis Bryant. Martavis <laughs> and he was Bryant. good when he wasn't smoking. Marcus Wheaton's probably a miss. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. Yeah, they've had a lot of misses. But, you know, Antonio Brown in the fifth round. Emmanuel Sanders good. wasn't good with Pittsburgh. But he turned out to be a really good player. Sure. So they were right about drafting the talent. They just didn't use him. Honestly. <laughs> It's kind of hit or miss. I feel like they've done a better job than most teams when it comes to Only drafting. Only because they drafted like Antonio Brown middle and, Ju- rounds. and Juju. Mike Wallace was very good. And Mike Wallace was good. He was a mid-round pick. Still in the NFL. Plaxico was theirs, right? Plaxico Burris was their draft pick. Now we're just naming any Steelers from like any years ago? Heinz Ward was great. How about during uh, you know Ben Roethlisberger's Lynn, career? That's Lynn fair. Swan was fantastic, Jim. Yeah, he had his days. Yeah. You know who that is? Next. All right. Let's go to the bottom of the offensive line rankings. That brings us to Miami and Washington. And everyone's kind of figured out that Caleb Balazs isn't all that good, so you want the passing down back. That's Kenny and Drake. A lot of Kenny and Drake. Boom, baby. But let me get to the Washington football team. Without Trent Williams, who has not shown up, doesn't look like he's going to show up, this offensive line is not good in Washington at all. I believe we saw uh, Eric Flowers playing with them at some point earlier this season. Is that bad? Uh, It's not good, Frank. It's not good at all. So we can be really high on Darius Geis, but there may not be much room for Darius Geis to operate here, Jim. Yeah, this is kind of nuts. It, it it will even be worse if they do, in fact, move Eric Flowers back out to, to left tackle. It will get worse. Uh, Trent Williams has said he will absolutely not play with them again. Uh, he seems kind of uh, on his mark there. He, he wants out one way or the other, so I think it, that's going to happen then. Without him, the rest of this line is really tough. Um, you know, I mean, the only guy that I would even count on at all is Morgan Moses. Outside of that, the rest are definitely uh, some guys I have major concerns with. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're the Darius Geis guy. We can talk about this rehab and him being healthy, and it's awesome. But if this offensive line is as bad as we think it's going to be, do you got to move Geis down your draft board? Am I really the Darius Geis guy, yes. though, Greg? Because uh, last year I liked him. It seemed like he was going to be the unquestioned workhorse for this team before he tore his ACL, and Adrian Peterson stepped in and had a fine season, uh, maybe even you know what we were expecting Darius Geis to do last year, but his ADP the past couple of days is RB32, and I have him ranked as RB36, so I wouldn't necessarily consider myself the Darius Geis guy this year. Last year, I liked him. It seemed like it was a better opportunity, the way that things were set up, but the fact that we're looking at Case Keenum as the starting quarterback. The fact that Dwayne Haskins is probably going to play at some point. They're going to play without Trent Williams, who is their best offensive lineman. And this offense overall is just isn't going to be a great one. I'm not all that excited about Darius Geis this year. I mean, RB36, you end up with him as a back-end RB3, maybe an RB4. Uh, 
Best case scenario, a flex running back. We spoke about Geis a little bit yesterday, Greg. You know, between him and Miles Sanders, I think, you know, with guys like that, they're going to get off to slow starts this year, and they're probably going to help you more so in the second half of the season, you know, once they start to turn things over to their younger players. But Adrian Peterson's still going to have a role. Chris Thompson's going to have a role on this team. I mean, there's a lot going on with Washington. So I wouldn't necessarily consider myself, you know, a Darius Geis advocate this upcoming season. For fantasy football, I like the talent, you know, in Dynasty for years to come. Uh, I, I do think he's talented. But in redraft this year, you know, I do have my questions and my concerns when it comes to Washington and their rushing attack. Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, a lot of names in that backfield with Washington Concerns are aplenty, as they should be. Let's get to back to the Indianapolis Colts, who we've, on every show, rightfully so, talked a lot about this week after the retirement of Andrew Luck. But as I've been saying kind of all day long, this offensive line is still good enough that, well, I kind of like betting on them to potentially win this division. And I asked you yesterday, Frank, I obviously didn't talk to you yesterday, Jim, about Marlon Mack and what to do with him going forward. The offensive line still remains. It's still really, really good. So are you comfortable investing in Marlon Mack still? I, I am uh, more comfortable investing him in, in him now where he's dropping to. Uh, his current ADP has fallen, no doubt, with all the news. And now he's going into you know that fifth round range. And at that point, I absolutely love him. Because you're right, it is still one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, Jacoby Brissett wasn't terrible in 2017, but now he's got Frank Reich there and a good offensive line. You know, I think he's going to show up a little better than people expect. There's a lot of scouts in this league that really like this kid, think he has all the tools to be good, a good quarterback in this league. So everybody that's writing them off just because Brissett is starting, I think are going to be highly surprised about what he gives them. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I like where Marlon Mack is dropping now as well, you know, into that mid-fourth round range, sometimes even the fifth round, as Jim Day has mentioned. I still have him as my RB22. Look, Marlon Mack averaged 4.7 yards per carry last year behind a really, really good offensive line, and you actually saw the way that he changed his rushing style last year, Greg. Remember, as a rookie, he would bounce everything to the outside, bounce everything. He would try to always break a long run. Totally. Last year, he was much more north-south, where he would just take what his offensive line was giving to him, and he was grinding the yards, and he's still ended up with a really good yards per carry YPC at 4.7 and you know they're talking about using him more in the past game this year he did have 21 receptions as a rookie he was used more so as a receiver uh, his days in college at South Florida so you know if he can get those receptions last year he only had 17 if he can get his receptions you know up to 40 or close to 40 you're looking at you're looking at you know Good value right now at Marlon Mack going in that fourth-round range. He scored 10 touchdowns last year in only 12 games played. Well, guess what? When they get down near the goal line, he's going to score touchdowns again. Who else on this roster is going to take take goal line touchdowns away from Marlon Mack? There's no one. Naheem Hines, yeah, he can catch a few passes. Spencer Ware has been placed on IR. You don't have those concerns. The offensive line is still really good. They're talking about using him in the pass game, and he is the unquestioned running back in on goal line situations and in the red zone. What's not to like besides the fact that obviously Andrew Luck has retired, but that's already being based into his ADP because you're getting him at a discount. Absolutely. Marlon Mack getting him at that discount uh, earlier this offseason when you thought Andrew Luck was round. This guy was a rock-solid third-round pick. You're getting him in the fourth round now, and it's funny because where I have him, we talked about this yesterday, I'm now coming a bit more around. I've been convinced by Eric Young. I've been convinced by Matt Modica. I've been convinced by Frank Stanfield. Convinced by Jim Day. I would, 
I wasn't going to take Marlon Mack anywhere. 30. I'm back in now. Marlon Mack or Derrick Henry? That's a really good one. I have Mack one spot That's higher. a really good one. I have Derrick Henry above right now. It's a question you might have to ask yourself when we get back. Yeah. <laughs> I see what he did there. Yeah, I got. Do you have any more you want to ask me? Nah. It's all you. Yeah, that was a hard one. <laughs> I'll take Josh Jacobs over him. I would as well. We'll wrap up the show after this. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Final few minutes here, BFFs, Frank Stample, Jim Day hanging out with us today. Greg Sussman, 2, Pluto TV. It's coming soon. Zumo TV right now, 719 is the channel. Get excited, folks. Zumo TV, it's free. So get on right now. Channel 719, that's how you can see us right now. We're going over some of the best and worst offensive lines in the NFL which brings me to the team and the player. You mentioned James Conner before, Frankie, as a player that you thought had a better chance to lead the NFL in touchdowns rather than yards. I'm going to tell you the running back that's going to lead the NFL in touchdowns this year. Who you got, Craig? I want to put my money where my mouth is. I can go to the FanDuel Sportsbook right now and bet that. Is that correct? I can, I can bet on this? Yes, you can. All right. I want to tell you the odds. I want to see what odds I can get on this guy. Another thing where I'm looking it up as I'm bringing it up, Frank. I realize this. Any other questions you got? I'm, no, I'm trying to stall. So I can get my prop bet in. All right, I'll ask uh, Jim Day a question while you do that. Jim, would you rather have Marlon Mack or Derrick Henry right now? I have Derrick Henry a few spots ahead of Mack. Um, look, you guys talk about how good the Colts' offensive line is. I got it. I think Tennessee's offensive line is better. Um, uh, just by a little bit, but they are better. I mean, Taylor Lewan at left tackle has been great. And then this year, they went out and got Roger Saffold at left guard. I mean, that side of the offensive line is going to be freaking gold. And then the other guys are definitely no slouches. Ben Jones, Nate Davis, Jack Conklin, all good, solid offensive linemen. So, I mean, we talk about Indy's offensive line, you know, so being so good. And, you know, rightfully so, because they've made such a drastic change in two years from having one of the worst in the league to one of the best. But Tennessee has a stellar offensive line as well. The only problem I have with Henry is whether or not this team is going to be smart enough to give him the 20 carries a game he needs. The one thing we know about him, he gets better as the game goes on. You have to give him those kind of touches. If they're not giving him those kind of touches, he's not going to be a good fantasy play. All right, so I actually thought it was going to be better odds than I got. You mentioned James Conner. He's plus 1,100 to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. My player, plus 1,100 to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. It's the same number. You know the answer is, Frank? Yes, I do. Is it because you Todd looked at Gurley. it? Todd Gurley. No, I, I have looked at it. Uh, you can let Jim guess. Jim, would it's, you like to it's guess? It's not Todd Gurley. Gurley's plus 950. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, phew. Plus 1,100. Off the boards, plus 1,100. Which has the top five offensive line in the NFL, arguably. Uh, okay, well, then, uh, Zeke? No, Zeke is better than that. He's plus 950 as well. Like Frank, Frank, do you well, know because you looked at it? Yes, you know? I looked it up. 
That's not very fun, Frank. Well, I okay. wanted to see. I wanted to see the odds as well. <laughs> well, Spoiler. if you're talking NFC East offensive lines, I'm, I'm not saying I'm anything not about the with... NFC East. Oh, okay. I thought you said NFC East. My no, I'm not saying anything about um, the NFC East. I will say AFC East though, because the answer is Sony Michelle, ladies and gentlemen. Sony oh, Michelle to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. That's correct. It's not crazy. Uh, what are you going to put on it? A quarter? Yes. Okay. Good. Great. Sony Michelle for a quarter. I think Sony Michelle has a really good opportunity behind a good offensive line. If they trust him, give him the ball. I know I've been the Sony Michelle guy all summer long. You talked up Damian Harris, who's now healthy again. I believe Michelle could stay healthy. Big if. Let's knock wood and table. That Michelle has the ability to do it. He's that good. They trust him that much. I mean, not Sony Michelle, guys. I really am. And I've been moving him up my rankings originally. You know, I was wary of Sony Michelle because of all of the knee injuries. I am very concerned about drafting running backs who already have injury concerns. I understand injuries are He's going to happen in the NFL throughout the course of the season. I mean, it's inevitable. I mean, look at the way that the, the sport is played. Injuries are going to happen. That's why I would rather not set myself behind the eight ball while drafting players who already have these concerns. So I don't have a lot of shares of Todd Gurley, of Leonard Fournette, of Sony Michelle. But I have moved Sony Michelle up the board because he does look healthy as of now. He's had the knee injuries, the knee issues in the past. They drafted Damian Harris, but Harris has been a non-factor in training camp so far. He himself is not completely healthy, while Sony Michelle is. So I have moved him up. I can't really argue it anymore. Looks like he's going to be the early down runner for the New England Patriots. And we talk about the New Orleans Saints producing you know, fantasy value for running backs over the years. The New England Patriots are basically in the same category. Just look at the past couple of seasons. You know, both from a pass-catching perspective and from scoring touchdowns. James White had a monster year. We've seen LeGarrette Blunt have monster years in terms of scoring touchdowns with the New England Patriots. And even last year when Sony Michel was healthy, once he started, once he got going, and once they actually gave him the ball, he was scoring touchdowns as well. I have a stat right here, Greg. He saw 18 or more carries in six games last year. He scored a touchdown in five of those games. He saw 18-plus carries in each of the playoff games he played in. Guess what? He scored a touchdown in each one of those games. So it comes down to, you know, if the New England Patriots are actually dedicated to Sonny Michel and they give him the work, he is going to score touchdowns on a really, really good offense. But it is worth mentioning uh, the injuries that the uh, New England Patriots have suffered to their offensive line, sure. which is going to be a very big blow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of injuries, you talk about Keith QT returning to practice and whatnot. Yes, sir. Bill O'Brien said he is not likely to play in the opener due to a sprained ankle. All right, so uh, basically go go back and do not listen to anything I said about Kiki QT in the previous hour on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Uh, jump key QT again. Yeah, sure. You come you come target our show to give out that bad info. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'm sorry, Jim. You know what the best part about this is? You know that Frank is like eating is like it's killing him right now. And he spent a whole hour talking about Kiki QT. I didn't talk about it for the whole hour. <laughs> I love I Okay, like guys, I gotta wait, yeah. I gotta throw this at you because it's related. I too have been moving Sony Michelle up a little bit. Thank you. Because Damian Harris you, hasn't Jim. done much. Um but I am worried about the touchdown numbers only because it's New England and Bill Belichick don't care about you, and he's going to do what he's got to do. Devlin had, what, four touchdowns last year. Still got Burkhead. He's going to get him involved. Uh, of course, James White is going to be involved. But this is where my question comes in. As I'm moving J- uh, Sony Michelle up, I've been moving James White down, um, and I am definitely a lot further down than almost anybody else's rankings I look at. So I want to get your opinions on, J- on James White this year. 
What do you expect from him? Do you think he's going to be anywhere near what he was last year, or should people realize that we're going to see his numbers come back down to earth? So I'm more on the side that I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw last year, to be honest. I think you're going to see a lot of... It's going to be game plan specific, and you kind of mentioned that with Belichick. There's going to be certain games where it's pounding the rock. There's going to be certain games where Sonny Michelle doesn't see the ball at all, and it's all about James White. I don't. I think that Belichick trusts him. I don't see a reason why his numbers would go down significantly, truly, uh, in any way. As I've said a lot on the show, I have him back to back. You play in the PPR league, I'd rather James White. If you're not, I'd rather Sonny Michelle. So for me, I don't see a reason why all of a sudden his numbers would go down, Frank. Well, I will say this. In the second half of the season when Josh Gordon came along, it, there was a direct correlation between uh, his numbers and James White's numbers going down. So, you know, Josh Gordon seems, as of now, he's off the NFI list. He's going to be good to go. Uh, you know, as long as he is healthy and playing, that is going to affect James White. There, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind because, you know, we, we kept questioning, well, who do they have to throw the ball to? Nikhil Harry wasn't healthy. Demarius Thomas wasn't healthy. Well, now with Josh Gordon in the mix, that is an extra body. It's going to be Josh Gordon. It's going to be Julian Edelman. And, of course, yes, James White is still going to get his. But, you know, I do agree somewhat with what Jim Day is saying here. I, I've, you know, I've wanted to lower him because of the fact that Josh Gordon is back. I haven't been able to bring myself to it yet. But there's no denying that there was a correlation between earlier on in the season when Josh Gordon was not with the New England Patriots, James White racked up a lot of his fantasy production in that first half of the season. Then once Josh Gordon came along and really became acclimated with the New England Patriots, we saw James White's targets start to come down, his receptions, his touchdowns as well. He's not going to replicate what he did last year where he finished like a top 10 running back in PPR leagues. I have him you know, right around RB25. I have him as a top 30 running back, uh, but especially in PPR, I, I still think that he warrants that pick, but... I think it's a good point that you brought it up, Jim, because I am proceeding a little bit more with caution now than I was, let's say, two weeks ago when it comes to James White. And you you know what really pushes me down? And this is what nobody's really talking about. Look, I get it. Demand's a great receiving back, probably one of the best in the league, maybe even the best in the league. There's no doubt about it. The man can catch the ball, and he can run. But the problem is I don't expect him to replicate the nearly 500 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns he had last year, most of that due to Sony Michelle being injured or nicked up. And I just don't see him having that chance on the ground. And if you take those numbers up uh, out of his equation, then his numbers definitely fall, especially with Gordon on the field. And I, for those reasons, I, I have definitely pushed James White down. James White is our, what, RB? Three? He's our RB3 in GSC, and that's a full PPR league. So, you know, I'm fine with it there as our flex as well. You know, even in PPR, I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily with him as my RB2. I would still want him as my flex just because there's going to be games where he puts up duds. It's New England. It's the Bellatrix. We've heard it over and over again. Jim brought up the fact that Rex Burkhead is still there, and, you know, they work in fullbacks and James Devlin, and I'm sure there's probably going to be a running back that they pick up off the scrap heap somewhere that scores three touchdowns (laughs) in a game throughout the course of the season. But the one constant the past couple of years has been James White in PPR leagues. You know, at the end of the season... He's going to get his numbers because, you know, he has a good rapport with Tom Brady. We've seen it in the postseason and in Super Bowls. You know, they've had these big monstrous games together. Um, and look, let's even with Julian Edelman and, uh, and Josh Gordon there, they don't have the same surplus of targets that they still have had in years past. So I like James White again, but I, I am keeping in the back of my mind that, 
you know, maybe we should not be as excited about him as we were two weeks ago now with Josh Gordon around. Okay, so maybe that's who is going to affect the most, James White, uh, with the return of Josh Gordon. One more team I wanted to mention before we wrap today's show up, and that's the offensive line of the Baltimore Ravens. Frank, you specifically have been all over um, Craig Roman, the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, and how it's affecting things. Baltimore's offensive line looks to be as good, really, as any of the other ones that we spoke about today. Lamar Jackson's there, Mark Ingram is there. Two guys you are extremely, extremely high on. Should we be even higher, just based on how good the offensive line can be? I don't think that we should be hired because there's still a lot of risk involved with both of these players. You know, I I feel like we're getting to the point right now where everyone's talking up Lamar Jackson and talking up Lamar Jackson where it, it we're not we're almost not even baking in the downside to Lamar Jackson. And, and it's the fact that we don't really know what he's going to do as a passer this year. Yes, he provides a safe floor for fantasy because of his rushing production, but there was even a report earlier today that they want him to throw the ball 30 times per game. That's not good for his fantasy value. You know, let's keep him, you know, let's keep the pass attempts down. Let's have him rush the football as much as humanly possible. It's going to put him in a position to, uh, to, to get hurt more as well. But, you know, what we want Lamar Jackson for in fantasy is to run the football. So as much as I like Lamar Jackson, as much as I like Mark Ingram as well, you know, people talk about Justice Hill being there and, and Gus Edwards. I don't really worry about that. They paid Mark Ingram a decent amount of money here. It's a solid offensive line, ranked 11th according to Pro Football Focus. I still like Mark Ingram going in that fourth round range as my, you know, RB2 this upcoming season. He's 30 years old, but he's not an old 30. You know, he's never had more than 230 rushing attempts in a season. He can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield as well. And I think once they get down on the goal line, they're going to use Mark Ingram in that part of the field as well. So I like these guys a lot, Greg. I'm bullish on them, but I think where I have them is about maxed out. I don't know that I can move them up much higher than they are, which has Lamar Jackson as like my QB9, and I believe Mark Ingram as my RB20. Jim, how high are you on the Ravens? We got a minute to go. I'm not too high at all. I am a little worried about Lamar Jackson. We saw what a defense can do to him, and and that was the Chargers who shut him down. Now, they are a great defense. I get that. Um, But I'm just not totally buying into it, especially with the talk coming that they want to throw 30 times a game. If he does that and he does it well, sure, he's going to hit those numbers. I'm just not buying. We didn't see any of that last year. It's true. We had – we haven't seen consistency with Lamar Jackson last year. Hopefully in year two, new offense, it'll get all that much better. Jimmy, it's been a blast hanging out with you for the last hour. Uh, I look forward to watching the frenzy tomorrow, my man. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on, guys. Talk yep. to you tomorrow. We appreciate it. Jim Frank will be back tomorrow hosting the frenzy. And we'll be back here as well. For Frank Stanville, I'm Greg Sussman. Thanks to Danny and Alex downstairs. Wage Talk is next right here on Zumo, Channel 719. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. We hope. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. What did I miss? What did I miss? Here's what you missed on the BFFs. Who have the best offensive lines? And ultimately, how they're... I've got to move this chair during the break. Um, who have the best offensive lines? Who have the worst offensive lines? 
and how it's going to affect the players. Because we could love a fantasy player for whatever reason. We've talked a lot about David Johnson, for instance. But the Cardinals have a bottom three offensive line in the NFL. People are all over the Arizona Cardinals and how high-tempoed this offense is going to be. Kyler Murray's going to be able to stand up at the end of the day. And I get he's more mobile than some of the other quarterbacks they've had there, Josh Rosen in particular. But if the Arizona Cardinals' offensive line is as brutal as we expect it to be, ranked arguably dead last in the NFL with minimal improvements made, are we, should we still be drafting David Johnson at five overall? Frank, I know you have five overall in your home league. You're like, oh, please don't let me deal with the Ezekiel Elliott nonsense. I'd rather have Ezekiel Elliott on the Cowboys' top-rated offensive line in the NFL, because I think he's going to be there, as you know, rather than David Johnson, who, again, is playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. I don't know that we've talked enough about that. Well, Greg, I don't know how Ezekiel Elliott's going to help you uh, earn fantasy points when he's in Cabo currently. He'll be there. (laughs) But when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals offensive line, uh, for me, volume is king in fantasy. And what I'm looking at with David Johnson is that he is the unquestioned workhorse running back for this respective team. And we've seen the way that he's been used in the preseason so far as well, basically playing all of the first team snaps. I think that Chase Edmonds is a fine, serviceable backup on that team, but volume is king here. Yes, you have concerns about the offensive line, but David Johnson is going to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. They run an air raid offense that includes four wide receivers out on the field and a running back. There might be plays where David Johnson is running as a wide receiver. We've seen him do that, you know, two years ago, two, three years ago when he had that monster breakout fantasy season. And on top of all that, Cliff Kingsbury wants to run a ton of plays this upcoming season for the Arizona Cardinals. So I understand your concerns about offensive lines. And we should look into offensive lines. I'm happy that we're doing this today. But I think at times... The efficiency that you lose when it comes to a bad offensive line, Greg, can be canceled out by the volume that you're getting with a player such as David Johnson, who's going to seemingly get all of the running back work for his respective team, a ton of work in the passing game. He's going to be the one to use on the goal line, and the Cardinals offense is going to run a lot of plays this year. So all of that volume combined should be able to outweigh the lack of efficiency we get from that bad offensive line. 